Episode 52, Coys R Us Podcast. The whole crew's here. After, I think what I would say is a pretty successful day in the office for Tottenham Hotspur. A 2-2 draw away at the Emirates. Still haven't had a win there in, in 13 years, but we will take the draw. A draw is a win as far as I'm concerned. And we continue on without a defeat. Jesse, what are your initial thoughts coming out of that first, our first derby of the season? Well, technically our first derby. I guess we played Brentford, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. It's a point away. I think uh, if you just generally, the the thought is like, if you can, if you can win at home and pick up points away, obviously that's not a hard and fast rule because there are going to be games that are more difficult to win at home. There are going to be games that are, you should definitely expect to win away, but um, a win away at a, at another top six or whatever club that's fighting for something um, I'm thrilled with, especially when you look at, um, you know, their, the, the, the narrative I saw a lot, which was, I felt great about was their five years into their project. Um, we're five games into our project. A, a little twist that I add to that was they bought a hundred million dollar player this summer. We sold a hundred million dollar player this summer. So for us to pick up a point there, um, especially as as rough as the first 12, 15 minutes looked there, I think is uh, is really encouraging. I mean, they didn't do a whole lot um, going forward. I mean, they they had some chances. We made some mistakes where it looked like Udogi was uh, was trying to be uh, an Arsenal player there for a minute with that that really casual back pass. But um, yeah, I thought incredibly encouraged. Um, just was laughing more than more than happy. I was just like laughing after uh after they uh their crowd was so rallied after the uh the Romero early second half um penalty and then by the time they cut back uh from the celebrations and the replays Sonny was like four yards outside of the box and just about to go slide one in so a point away I think I saw a stat there's more points um away at Arsenal than Conte Mourinho and Nuno combined not that Nuno had a lot of chances but more than Conte and Mourinho combined um already so encouraging uh encouraging Sunday uh, in uh, the worst part of North London. I mean, I feel like one of the big stories or narratives going into this game was kind of like, okay, Arsenal away, a fixture that's always given us trouble, followed by Liverpool. After these next two games, we'll kind of see how good we actually are. One game down, you know, we got a point out of it. We didn't lose. And then the next game is against Liverpool, another undefeated team, uh, this time at home. So with one of those two games under our belt, Kim, where are you at with with us? Are we actually as as good as advertised, or is it still too early to tell? I, I'm very encouraged with how we played, how quickly we've picked up Angie's system, um, how hard the team works for each other. But you see some cracks here and there, like, Arsenal is a good pressing team. They're going to turn you over. Um, But I felt like there were times where we were just too casual on the ball and Arsenal just nicked it off us. I mean, similar thing happened for, for, for the goal that we had for them with, with Jorginho. But I felt there were times where Madison had the ball, got it nicked off him. Basuma did the same. Um, But in general, I just feel like we're, we're growing as a team. So I don't want to say like the fact that we were able to go into their house and play the game that we wanted to play shows that 
I think we are a good team. Um, but there's a difference between like being good and great. And I think right now we're a good team. If we get more players into the squad, if we improve in general on, on the margins, there, there are like things that we can do to improve. We can become a great team, but I think as advertised, we're good. That's really it. Yeah. I mean, I, you talked yeah. about, I agree with, with most of that. And I, I do think that we wrote our, our luck a little bit yesterday. Like Kim was saying, the, uh, when Madison got dispossessed in their own box and Jesus fired over was, was pretty lucky. But I would argue that Arsenal rode their luck, too. I mean, for one, both their goals came from, I mean, one was an own goal. The other was a 50-50, I would say, penalty uh, in terms of the handball and Romero. And they could, and Kaita should have had a red card. That, to me, was, we we can talk about some of the controversial things. But I would say that, by and large, I think that we looked a better team. I know that that we did get, we, we got kicked around for the first half an hour or so it looked like Arsenal were pretty much trying to just put the the whole game to bed in the first half you know the first 30 minutes even and if if Jesus had buried that shot it could have happened that way I mean we know that a uh the game state changes the way things look in hindsight um if it had been two down I think it would have been a different story uh not necessarily but it would have been a a tougher task to to come back obviously but I think we totally looked up for it and uh, starting about probably the 30, 30 to 40, you know, towards the end of the, of the first half and then into the whole second half or, or till the end of the game, basically, until extra time, I thought we looked the better team. I would have taken the point going in, but look, you know, by the time that we were in the 80th minute or so, I, I was a little surprised at the subs, actually. But yeah, I would say I was I was looking for us to actually to, to get a winner there. I mean, I thought we'd, we'd look more likely until that last 10 minutes after we, after we subbed both Madison and Sun off. Um, Arsenal got a little bit more of a foothold, but they didn't really look dangerous to score a goal. They just looked like they could hold possession at that point, and that we weren't quite as dangerous as a counter at that you know that stage. But I think they they expect the goals were fairly even. We shaded possession, and we were on the road, like I against what was the second best team in the league last year, and likely to be up there this year. I think that shows huge progress from where we came, where we were basically last year fighting to not get embarrassed. So. I will. I'll take a lot of uh, comfort in that. In that, both the game and a decent amount of comfort in the uh, the result. And not fighting very hard at that. Uh, we played them twice last year and got pretty much played off the pitch both times. So there was a significant gap between the two teams, even as recently as last season. Um, and the last time we played them was was back uh, in January, and they beat us two nil at home. So. Not a ton of time has passed, but obviously there's been a lot of change, um, which we've gone over at nauseum. But I think to you guys' point, like being able to come into a hostile environment and basically play toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the country, never mind a North London rival, I thought was like... It definitely said something about where we are um, for us to be able to compete that well. And really, I think, Ben, you were just saying this, like they didn't look as dominant as I think I expected, because one of the conversations that we were having even last week was we were we were previewing this game was this idea of like, you know, what are Spurs going to look like when they have to concede majority of the possession? And quite frankly, that didn't really happen. Uh, I was a little shocked to see at halftime, you know, it felt like we weren't 
holding on to possession. And I think a lot of that had to do with the press, which we'll we'll get to in a second. But when I looked at the stats at halftime, we were actually leading in possession 60-40, which I was like, that doesn't I was even, surprised by that too. That yeah. doesn't that even is. sound right. Yeah, I checked the stats right after, right at halftime too. Cause someone was like, Oh yeah, I think we're probably like leading possession. And I was like, no, it's probably like 50-50. And I looked and I was like, oh, we actually are, but I would like to see, I mean, you know, a lot of that was in our, in their attacking half. Like mm-hmm. a lot of that possession wasn't that was really slowly penetrating. Break the press. Yeah, it wasn't penetrating possession where we were getting into, into you know, their into <laughs> our own box on the other side um, or their box, actually. That's their box. It's <laughs> mixing that up. But um, so, yeah, I, I understand. And it was probably their tactic to let us have the ball, let our defenders <laughs> and our goalkeeper have the ball, but ba- basically press our midfielders and press our fullbacks and double up on them whenever they got the ball. It seemed like that's what they were deciding to do. So you would see like, they would like run at Vicario and Romero, but they would do a lot of like shielding to make sure that the midfielders weren't getting onto the ball very easily. So like I'm saying that tactic worked really well and it worked really, really well when Rice was in the game. But the moment they took him out, it was like that all disappeared. (laughs) He was really the shield that was holding them up. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And and while obviously you don't want to spend that much time in your own half, what I thought it did demonstrate is just our patience and our um, resilience about we just kept trying to play against the press, even though we got caught by the press, I don't know how many times, probably half a dozen times in that first 20 or 30 minutes. We would have been in a shell had we been under Mourinho or Conte. I a mean, lot of nervy moments, keep, though, yeah. Right. Yeah, with the Madison one being the, the worst. But like you, Kim said earlier, Madison got caught out a couple times. Basuma got caught out a couple times. Um, Udogi, uh, Udogi got cut up. I mean, it was it was definitely – it was a, a little bit of heart in, in mouth uh, watching the first half. But like I said, I think it demonstrates that we really are taking – Ange's uh, principles, Ange Ball. This is what yeah, I remember him having this anecdote during preseason where when he knew the team was actually sticking to his style, like playing it themselves, was when one of his defenders got out, like got caught out making a pass against the press and conceded a goal and then immediately did the same thing a few minutes later. And even though it was a negative over the game that, that you know, the individual error in the game, it showed that his his uh, his preaching was really taking hold in, in the, the, the the team. And I think that we've been able to demonstrate that without having to concede a bunch of stupid goals, luckily in this scenario. But uh, I think what we've talked about in a few games so far, I, I'm just, I can't believe how quickly our team has been transformed. And I think we were all, waiting for some of these kind of bumpy moments and they still probably will come. It's a long season. Uh, some of the bumpier moments, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what Liverpool looks like. Let's see what city looks like. And then some of these low block teams, those are, are probably bugaboos at this point, but yeah, I'm thrilled with how it's been. It's, it's first time I can remember in a long time. I mean, probably almost like either that champions league year, or the year before that, even because <clears throat> that, that year, if you remember, we started doing pretty poorly in the league, but where I'm just, as soon as the game is over, I can't wait for the next one. Like I'm just looking forward to next weekend already. And it's been a long time since it's felt that way. Yeah. I mean, I think another piece of that um, in terms of that press, like it, it felt like, yeah, like they were almost setting up to give us possession, which I was not really expecting. Um, and that press was really working very successfully in the first 20, 25 minutes or so. But I feel like once we pretty much every time that we were able to get the ball out of the back four, um, 
we almost consistently ended up with like a pretty decent chance on the other end. So it's like they kind of had to press that ball and stop the ball from getting past the midfield. And anytime that it did, they were on the back foot and we were like running at them, especially in the early parts of the game uh, where Brendan Johnson was still in because his pace, I think, makes up for a lot. And then also just Van de Ven in the back, just cleaning up a lot of errors that happened when the ball transitioned um, for their counterattacks. And so, like, I think that's also something that's going to put the league on notice a bit because then it's like, you know, if we press them, we have to do it properly because if we don't, they're going to be off at the races. And, yeah, and that's, getting in behind. I mean, even the – I was rewatching the game earlier today and it was the second or third minute uh, Brendan Johnson got his first shot. It got blocked. But, like, it was pretty – like, as soon as – that press wasn't working or as soon as we were able to get it pretty much past Basuma and into somebody else's feet, then it was just like, all right, we're going like now let's just run. And that's already what Poro and Udogi are going to be ready to do anyway. So yeah, I, I, it's definitely encouraging to see um, us be able to kind of like impose our game plan on a top team instead of, kind of sitting back and letting them do their thing, especially on the road. Um, that was not something that I was expecting going into the match. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. It, it, both with, I love seeing us impose our style. But yeah, like you said, when they, they were pressing so high and so hard for that first half hour, for one, they probably drained themselves with some energy. But you said they lost, Yeah, I rice. think they did. But also, yeah, it created this feel to the game and that's probably why it felt almost like we didn't have that much possession is every time we broke their press it felt like we were on a counter like we had just gotten the ball and we were actually then going at them but, but it, we were the ones that had the ball we were just passing around to try to break the press it just it, yeah it was it was a very interesting like I, I, that's a good it's I'm glad you pointed that out Joel just because I don't think I really I, I don't think I, I understood why it felt like that but it did feel like almost like we were getting counterattack opportunities even though they weren't really counters in the true sense, but yeah, it was. It yeah, because then, yeah, because it's like every time we broke their press, it was almost like they turned the ball open space. Yeah, and that's what. I mean, that's what it I, creates. But funny enough, that's what yep. I expected them to do more to us than what we did to them. There were less moments that I expected Saka to be just bombing up and down that channel for the whole game, and you know, at the start of the game, Adoki did struggle with him but you could see as the game continued he just grew you doggy really grew into that that was really <laughs> impressive because he had a rough yeah. first 15 minutes rough as anybody so i just feel like that it that to me just shows like the the general resiliency in the team the ability to grow into a game the ability to um come back from being down twice that's not like that's like mental fortitude that just shows that they truly believe in what they're doing and they're going to keep trying to do it because they think it's going to prove somewhat successful. So, um, yeah, I just feel like the mentality of the team is every, by every game just improving a little bit and a little bit. And they just seem very confident in what they do. And when you're confident in what you do, you will do it better than you probably would have done before. So, uh, yeah, I just like to see that they continue to stay confident no matter what was happening. Like, yeah own goal penalty but it didn't change the fact that they had to play the game and they had to play the game their way i mean there's you know a lot of positivity when things went wrong Ooh, too everybody. right there was a, the clips of like vicario with his arm around 
Romero. There was, yeah. you know, they just, there was just constantly picking each other up and, and not that that doesn't happen anytime, but it's just, I, I think it just goes to, to, to the, the culture that Andrew's instilling of just like, it's just relentlessly positive and, and optimistic and, and still like, you know, doing our, our thing, you know, not only like from the, the attack, like, Hey, if it's not going our way, uh, or if we're down, we're still going to play our way. And and if we're down, like, it's okay. Like, let's just keep going and, and keeping each other up. And it, it feel like, especially with a team that, um, you know, Vicario has known Romero for 12 weeks. Like, it's 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 it shows that the how quickly the positivity that Andrews brought is is really like helped helped everybody gel and and connect. That that it'd be one thing if that was Sonny picking somebody up, and obviously he did. But like, you know, those are both Romero not new, but newer than a lot of other guys that came to Vicario, brand new and really just the the great you know connection and 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 backing each other is uh, is a really good spirit to see uh, in the team. <laughs> last year they would have there would have been people like snapping their feet and like screaming at each other and all that stuff and you scored like con- chances conceded and you just saw everybody just look at each other like all right we just got to do better and it's that general like mindset and that general like feeling around the club that i feel like the fans feel and is really is what i feel like is actually bringing everybody together that positive mindset it really truly does feel like it's seeping in even to us as we talk here which is, I, I was just going to point out that this, I, it popped into my head, but because of how positive everybody is, I feel like we just stopped doing the triangle last year because of how depressing it got. I think we might need to bring that segment back. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't want to jinx it. Because uh, I, I feel like, you know, that the triangle was, every, t- every time we uh, found ourselves at the top of it, it would only be a matter of weeks before, uh, it would all come crashing down. Yeah, now that's the Conte triangle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, I mean, even another thing that they were mentioning during the broadcast yesterday is just how much of the team is also new. Like, obviously, Ange has a lot to do with how well we've played at the first six matches of the season. But if you look at our starting lineup, half of the players weren't even on the team. Vicario, Vicario is a new signing. Van de Ven, Madison, Brennan Johnson, then Udogi, who we signed last season but didn't join us till this year. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six out of 11 players that weren't even on the cool. team. And for them, Or it was like, only on the team half the season last right, year. Right, exactly. Basuma. And I bet you, I mean, I bet you Basuma and Saar didn't even play. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how much they played at all last season at all. Um. But just not even thinking about this fixture specifically, but just like they weren't Spurs players, <laughs> and for them to have ingratiated themselves, this is a lot of turnover. When you see a team with that many new players in a side, usually it takes a while for them to gel, and it's definitely not usually happening in the first five or six games. And I think going into the season. That's kind of what we were expecting. Like five, six games into the season, I probably would have guessed that we would have had two or three wins. <laughs> and that would have been like great. Um, so for us to be on four wins, two draws, and no losses is like kind of incredible, considering the fact that everything is so brand new, but guys have really bought in, guys are really gelling with each other. There seems to be a really good vibe and spirit around the club, um, in the dressing room, 
And yeah, guys have bought in to Ange's beliefs and systems. And even just like when you listen to some of the interviews from some of the players, when they talk about Ange, when they talk about the team, it seems like they're all bought in, yes, but that they all kind of just like like each other and encourage each other. And I don't think we've really had a lot of that in the past couple of years, haven't really had that family feeling to the team, probably not since the Champions League run. Um, and that was five seasons ago. Did so, you see I mean, Suma's tweet last week about just loving everything? Like, I yes. love it. He, <laughs> yes. he reminded me of, it reminded me of like being in high school and like where you're at like a club and somebody's on ecstasy, basically. <laughs> just he was in love with everything. I'm poaching. It's Tottenham, it's Tottenham ecstasy, baby. Yeah, Pochettino and, and Ange are both, uh, you know, have that kind of father figure vibes, whereas like Mourinho and Conte are like stepdad vibes that like you they didn't actually want to have kids that were just like, I guess I have these kids now and I hate them and I'm just going to try to get the best out of them, but I'm not going to have a nice time and they're not going to have a nice time. I'm just going to just be nasty to them but like they and might also perform. i never really believe within them in the first place yeah yeah and i hate and i hate my wife also at the same time it's like <laughs> it's not not a good situation where we're poaching and uh and and andrew just like yeah like we we love you know we love this we love the being here we want to you know nurture these guys i think and and in truth you know to in fairness to both of those guys that n- Pochettino and Pastacoglu, neither one was brought here to be like, yo, you got to win a trophy right away. Like, this is it. Like, that's that's what Conte and Mourinho's were brought in for. Um, and so they had a little bit of a difference. So you're able to have a little bit of like, hey, we got to win something in one or two years or else you're going to all hate me or I'm going to all hate you even more. So it is, they did come in under different circumstances. That helps. But yeah, I mean, just the vibes are just uh, definitely, definitely leading the alternate table and vibes um, this year above anybody else. And the other weird thing about this team is that it it seems like the media is also kind of falling in love with them. And like the media actually kind of loves our coach. And it's just it's weird. It's just like this is a little this is a little too positive coming out of uh all the news channels and all the TV people. And it's just like it's because Pasta Coglu never puts his foot in his mouth. He always has like the perfect response to everything. He really does. He really does. And then um, when you play pretty football, people will like you too. Like if you're yeah. nice and you play pretty football, you're you're gonna be well loved until you mess it up. Yeah, it does. It does feel. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I don't. I don't want to get too ahead of myself still because it's it still is to the point right now where it's just like I'm just looking forward to the next game. I feel like something fun is gonna be there to for me to watch and like it's. It's not like, ah, I got to get through this 90 minutes. Like, I'm actually enjoying the game while it's on, and I want to see highlights, and I want to rewatch matches, and I want to get all the post-game interviews. Like, by the end of last season, I was not doing any of those things. It was like, I watched the game mostly just because I felt like we had to talk about it on the podcast. It was like, (laughs) obligation. And then as soon as it was over, I just wouldn't look at anything again until we were getting ready to record. Um, and it just wasn't it wasn't fun it was just like all right we got to get through this and then 
I think after we got knocked out by Milan, it was just really just like, let's just get to the end of the season so we can start the rebuild. And here we are. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's just it's everything is still a bit surreal, but I also don't want to get ahead of myself. And I think one of the big concerns that I have right now is I think we highlighted it a little bit when we played Fulham in the Carabao Cup. But just how stark the difference is between our starting 11 and everybody else. There was a moment in the match yesterday when Madison went down and was holding his knee. And I was just like, Oh my God, of course, of course this happens to us. We can never have nice things. Now Madison's hurt. He's going to be out for the next three months and we're screwed. Um, he, he wasn't out for the next three months. He did play like another 15, 20 minutes before getting subbed off. But I think that highlights the fact that like, there are certain players on our team that we can't really afford to play our brand of football without. We don't really have anybody on the bench to be able to cover for them. Madison is chief among those players. I also think about Basuma. I think about Vandevin. I think about Those are the top three right there. Yeah. Like Romero too, but Romero. Um, so it's just like, obviously there's still more for us to do. And right now we are fortunate to only have one game a week. And I assume that some of those holes will be plugged in January, but, you know, I think we'll require a little bit of luck and good health between now and then. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I was, I had the exact same thoughts when Madison went down. And I mean, he looked to be in, in pain. He, it looked he seemed bad. like, especially yeah, when somebody's exactly. holding their yeah. knee like that. You're like, oh, no. I mean, I, I might, I, this is obviously supposition, but I'm thinking he probably thought that he had the same exact concerns that we did. I mean, you don't know, obviously, when if, if you've necessarily have just like kind of tweaked something in a weird way or if you potentially did real damage right away because of the adrenaline and, and, and how long it takes the pain receptors to kick in and everything else. Like, I mean, it was it was definitely did not look great. Uh, I was very glad to see him up and moving around. And then again, Ange, both with him and uh, Johnson, I was glad to see you with Johnson. He he didn't even want to try it at all. I was almost surprised he had Madison try it. But he's he's very quick to to take people off and not risk further injury. Um, so another thing that I would give him high marks for. Uh, I I I still don't really know why Sun got subbed. Maybe he's just trying to. I don't even know to be honest. I have no 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 good answer for that. I think I saw something in the post match. I didn't actually get to listen to Angela's press conference as of yet, but I think I saw something that said both Madison and Sonny might not have been like a hundred percent going into the game. Yeah. So he just didn't want to like risk them. Cause I, I mean, I honestly, the they, they ran a lot and they played very hard. So, I mean, I understand not wanting to risk, you know, losing them. And, you know, right now we still have them. So don't put them, you're going to have a week for them to be off. Like I, we probably looked at the game and was like, if we're going to win this game, we could probably win it with, um, but if we want to hold on to this game, we're probably going to hold on to it with who I put on. Um, right. Yeah. And, and like you took at that point, off. it looked like, yeah, at that point, it just looked like to me, he just was like, we have the draw right now. If we can win it, we'll try and win it, but let's just not try. And, and Richie had a decent chance in like the what, right. 98th minute, whatever that was. It's not yeah. as if we put on Dane Scarlett or something like, you know, <laughs> or, or, or Roberto Soldado, like you put a guy in who created 
two but goals. Yes, I love the two minutes. names you just picked there. Yeah, I'm just the, I, our striker because that's the I'm one area we do have some depth in. Like we do have some really nice depth in in that Vincent attack. Vincent Janssen. So, yeah, like it's it's not as if we brought off some scrub. We brought off a guy who had a goal and assist in the 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 tying goal and the winning assist in the last in what 25 minutes of uh, of time versus yeah. uh versus Sheffield so it's it's it was you know uh that I think I, again I didn't I didn't hate the move uh though well, the replacement for Madison awesome. was the midfielder that's gotten the most minutes of anybody on our team for the last yeah. three seasons like I mean that's I, I agree 100 percent they're not as dangerous as those two but they're obviously not chopped liver right um, but I, I'm gonna say there were moments towards the end of that match that Hoiberg did some really really good things like yeah he had a I I Lord I, I I remember seeing him like have a ball that sort of like went over the top like he was up in the attacking part of the midfield doing what he was supposed to moving the ball around quickly I'm not saying he was perfect but there were a few moments in that I felt he pro- produced positively for the team so like I yeah. say I saw some reports today that he might be looking to move in January and I mean, like, if he does, we have to replace him because he's right now the first midfielder off the bench that will change when Bitcoin's back. Um, I don't know what the shuffling will look like once that happens. Um, but we if he would move on, we would need to get another body in. Yeah, I don't I don't trust yeah. him to come on as a six to replace Masuma, just because I don't think he's press resistant enough, but I think he's a great option in one of those two other positions. But the Joe's original point just of our potential weak areas basuma is right up there with the top i think basuma might be the most important cog in this Ange machine right now just because there is no replacement i obviously don't love the idea of losing vandeven just because the pace he gives the ability for romero to get really aggressive he was outstanding yesterday he was great i think he might be player of the season so far in some ways i mean again basuma i feel like is the most irreplaceable Vandeven has definitely been the surprise of the season to just come. How old is that dude? 21, 22 to just come in from another league and just look this dominant. He hasn't put a foot wrong. Even with some of the own goals he's had, they've been more unfortunate, but yeah, I would worry about the six and then the defenders except that Ames just seems to have that magic. And we have two good young central defenders. I know neither of them are really first team players at this point, but I don't know Would you guys put it past Ange to somehow just pull Ashley Phillips you know, out from, I think he was on the bench this past match, but him just somehow coming in and looking really assured and good. Like it would not shock me just based on the returns we've gotten so far from a lot of players that either are coming out of nowhere or were basically pulled off of the, the scrap heap of Conte's mismanagement from last year. Well, I think there are two different profiles coming in too, right? Like Van Deven was somebody that was very highly lauded coming out of, um, the German league last year. Same thing with Vicario in the Italian league. So even though they weren't players that were particularly seasoned or even players that I had heard of before, they did come with some experience in their back pocket. And there was a lot of data that said that they were really good. We just hadn't seen it. I don't think Phillips is quite there yet because um, he's coming in more so as like, one for the future, yeah. I feel like. Um yeah, he's so had like I, eight champions. Even though they're probably the same, yeah, like they're they're probably the same age. Um, but I don't think they're at the same level where he would be able to get the same sort of I get that. My I get that. My point was just that I trust I shouldn't say I trust because I don't know enough, but I think it's more likely one of them could step in for an injured center back than anybody on our roster stepping in for position. <laughs> that yeah. Was, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> so Arsenal draw first blood. Um they scored 
twice and then we respond twice. But that first goal um, was just one of those where Saka was able to find a little bit of joy on that on that right side. Um, there's an overlap by Ben White that both defenders bite on, which gives him space to toss the ball into the box. And Romero tries to clear it and kind of just puts it in the back of the net. I think this is around the 30th minute or so. Um, Jesse, after that first goal, like where where are you? What are you thinking? Is this a here we go again? Where's your confidence level after that first goal goes in? Yeah, it was, it was you know, this feels deserved because they felt like that that first 15, 20 minutes, we felt like we were, their press was, was you know, close to suffocating and, um, you know, we're, we're not a seasoned back line and midfield of, of everybody's used to playing out of the back, like we want to play. So, um, you know, it's one thing to get it done in practice. It's one thing to get it done versus some of these other teams, but, you know, away against your top rival and who's also undefeated on the year, like that creates some really, really pressure packed situations. So, um, I was like, not nah, here we go again by any stretch, but like, and truthfully, I went into it, like the, the the five games versus five years project, the the buying a hundred million dollar players versus selling them like on the road, like this team is, is got an eye on trying to win a title. We've got an eye on trying to finish top five. Like it was like, I, I would have been provided not a, not a, a bludgeoning, not like a three Oh, you know, four Oh beat down. But like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm not expecting a win here. I'd be, I'd be stoked if we had a draw. So it was like, okay, like they've, they've definitely been the better team for 20 minutes you know, let's see how we respond. And and again, like nice that it's, it's still like, Hey, we're still going to be aggressive and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was, you know, an unfortunate one too. Like it wasn't like they, they, the, the, the deflection off of Romero, I was trying to look at the, they had a couple angles. It looked like if he didn't try to make the play there, it probably gets through to um, uh, I forget who it was, but one of the, one of their players that was pushing towards the back line. So um, yeah, it was, it was like, man, this is, not great, but by no stretch was it like same old Spurs or anything like that. I wasn't, I wasn't just, I don't think I have, I haven't even reached to that, that level of negativity yet uh, in, uh, in this young season. So um, yeah, it was, uh, let's see what else we can, let's see what else we can do. But um, I feel like it, it honestly felt right after that goal happened is and we started be, being the, the better team right after that. So it was really nice to see a, a quick bounce back like that. We potentially did that happened with both of their goals, really. Obviously, we scored pretty quickly after that. I think that that potentially did cause us to uh, to up our intensity a little bit. So I, I think there was some, some misfortune in it, but it did seem either mishit or like a little bit of a lazy reaction from Romero. Because <clears throat> for that ball to go in that direction from the way his uh, – from, from where it came was, like I said, either a mishit or his leg got up late, I think. But it – Man, yeah, it was it was misfortune, uh, and I, I was definitely a little bummed by it. But I also, um, because of how we've looked these first few weeks, I also did not feel nearly as negative as I would have in past years. And I was just like, "All right, let's go, boys," you know. And and they did. So, I, uh, I, I think it again showed our resiliency, and and this game did that in general. Because like I said, there were there were touches of fortune to quite a few of Arsenal's, well, both their goals, and uh, and then them having. 11 men at the end of the game so well you talked about both their goals I I guess we could talk a little bit about that penalty because 
I I couldn't really hear what was going on uh, in a packed bar watching the game, and once they showed a replay, I'm like, well, that's a stone cold penalty. I don't. What is? I I was confused as to what the conversation was about. Even watching the replay, I still am still confused as to what the discussion Just the was about. Just the instantaneous, the how close it was. Like they they've started to cut down on that on those those instant. Like you literally have no time whatsoever to move your hand out of the way or move your arm out of the way. They've started to cut down on like, give guys the, the, the allowance to not have, you know, not be able to react to a ball. That's one foot away, three feet away from you. That's struck at a, at a high speed. I think, right. what, yeah, I, I same thing. It's still, that's a stone cold penalty. Although he had no time to react. And although that we've said when they're like, it's not a natural position. Well, when you jump, when you're moving your body, your hands, this is not a natural position when you have your hands clasped behind your back, like especially you see defenders not, do. Especially not if I'm kneeling down to block a shot. Yeah, I think like if it was anyone else. There's no way that I'm not going to lift my hand. Your up. hands go up for counterbalance. That's right. the way it, 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 If it was anywhere see. else, like not directly going on target, like it was right in a clear goal if it didn't hit his hand. I think, again, to me, I was like, I don't even know why we're looking at this. That's 100% a penalty. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was the the thought I think was just, it was, it was an instantaneous thing, but it's on target. You have to call that every time. Yeah. I, so we had a similar situation in the United game where Garnacho had that, um, they had a, you know, potential for handball. And I think the reason that they didn't give that one, they said was because he wasn't as close to the goal and they didn't think it was denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. And I think this one. He was basically on the just in front of the goal line. So if he doesn't get himself in the way, it's definitely probably going in. Well, for our two goals, we saw Madison and Sonny hook up twice, which it felt like, you know, Son and, and Kane had this thing going for a while. And maybe, you know, he's got a new a new goal partner here. Madison was exactly what I expected Madison to be in this fixture. He was someone who who talked a lot in the early part of this season about how excited he was about signing with the team, how he saw himself as a Spurs player, how his dad was a big Gaza fan, and so on and so forth. And I feel like if you're excited about signing with Spurs, then obviously a part of that is going to be excitement to play Arsenal. Um, so I, I always felt coming into this game that this was going to be a match that he would be up for. And indeed he was. And, um, you know, the play that he makes on that left wing to create that first goal is just skinny Saka. <laughs> I mean, like that. Yep. It's great. I mean, my dog. <laughs> and, and even, I think even leading up to that, you know, that was a broken play that I think Poro had a ball into the box. That no, gets was, punched. Um, sorry. Sorry. Sar had a ball that like floated over the top. Right. And Raya did punch it. And then we sort of recovered it. I think it was like a doggy had a touch and then it went out to Madison and then he sort of just like sold Saka and brought it inside. Well, Johnson had a shot before that. That's true. That's that true. was blocked. Well, um, and of, then it kind of got. Happened. So, yeah, I mean, I think the point that I'm making is that it wasn't sustained. It was. It, it yes, did. it was Madison creating something out of a bit of nothing, but it's also a result of us continuing to attack and create pressure, like you said. And like, it it felt like a game where it's almost cruel for Brennan not to have scored at least one of those chances because he was putting himself in great positions. He was also, you know, 
beating that left side pretty easily, like just with his speed alone. Um, and that Raya save was impressive. But, you know, like Gabriel Jesus should have scored when he took the ball off of Madison in the first half. And if it's 2-0 instead of 1-0, who knows how the rest of that game plays out. And so they blew a chance. Raya had a great save. They kind of evened out. At the end of the day, like I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the 2-2 draw. That's actually which is- that's how I felt about uh when when uh when Jesus fired that over. I almost yeah. felt like that was a makeup call from God for the uh the own goal from Amaro. You know, like, well, that was that's that's a stone cold goal. They scored 99 out of 100 times and somehow he blazed it over the crossbar. So yeah, no, I well, he that specific striker doesn't score at 99 out of 100 times though. And I and I think yeah, that's also their sure. They're probably their biggest issue um, this season and something that they're going to have to solve for is like, where are the goals coming from? They've gotten results, but they have not really been scoring goals. Um, And, you know, you have Jesus, who's really good on the press, but not as great at finishing. And Ketier, who probably should have gotten a red card for blazing into Vicario, um, was a on the borderline call, he ended up with a yellow. But even if you look at the man, if you, that one angle, he's got his legs scissored. That, like that's how you break somebody's. Yeah, leg. and I, that's that was a red. Like that was it was he the ball was was gone like for a, enough time before, like clearly before he started doing that. I mean, that's how that doesn't get more talks for for being a red is in the game is is bonkers. I mean, that's that's another call that. And where was VAR? Like you said, could have very much changed the course of that game. Um, another thing is like that last 10 minutes where, you know, that's probably a deserved 10 minutes because they they stopped they stopped the game for a while to look at the penalty. But it did get the sense, at least watching the game, it's like, okay, this is I, I started to get bad feelings about it. Like, man, uh Arsenal's getting 10 minutes at home to go win this game. And it also felt watching the game over again, that that last 10 minutes was really a lot of them and not that much of us. We had control over most of the second half, um, but that stoppage time I think was really impressive. Uh, Something I didn't necessarily notice yesterday that I noticed more today. We were watching it was like how disciplined we were defensively during that stoppage time period um, because they were kind of just like throwing the kitchen sink and trying to get a win out of the game, knowing that not getting a, a win, that draw is is a worse result for them than it is for us. And I think they knew that and were really trying to get that three points. And we were really, like I said, just disciplined, um, kept our lines we're winning the ball back in, in in tricky situations, heading the ball away on on set pieces and just like putting in that extra fight that you need after running around and drawing, making yourself tired for 90 minutes to still have that extra 10 minutes um, to push and fight and, and get the draw was just as important as anything else that happened um, throughout the rest of the course of that game. Yeah, like you said, they they definitely had the line share possession at the end, but they I don't remember them having any chances. The only chance in that last ten minutes, other, like you said, there's some set pieces, but it was Richarlison's uh, chance there. But yeah, can you it, imagine was, though? Can you imagine? Because that's because that's in the in? that's in the one hundredth <laughs> minute he gets that shot in the box, 
that just gets a mean deflection and bounces out for a corner. And that's essentially that corner kick was the end of the game. If that ball goes in at the death away scenes, scenes and limbs. Oh my God. Sheffield would have looked tame in comparison. Oh yeah. We would, we would, we would have, we would have forgot about the Sheffield game. I have a, if that would have went in, I feel bad for the stewards because I know Spurs fans would have been on that pitch. Yo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and also the, the post game from the Arsenal fans would have been even better than it was Oof. yesterday, which yeah. was already pretty good. But... They were they were already heated. I saw so many. Well, the thing was they were so confident going in that they were just gonna wax us. They're like, if they show up, if they show up and play the football they think they want to play, we're gonna beat them five two. We're gonna murder them. We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. And I was just like, I heard a lot of that and I was like, all right. You guys think you're better than you are. Like, I could look at that and just say, you guys really do think you're better than you are, and you also have not watched us play. So yeah, if you think that's, that's yeah, the case, obviously. like, <laughs> whatever. Um, Which I think is also I'm... one of the biggest disadvantages of living in England. Like, I feel like that's true. actual English fans just watch less English football than we do because they just have access to so much less of it, which is ironic in a way. But I feel like we have a better idea of, like, how every team in the league plays because we can literally watch every single team play every single week. And so they're, they're just seeing match of the week or they're seeing highlights and they're probably most Arsenal fans probably have not seen a full 90 minutes of Spurs before yesterday. Yep. Uh, Yeah. No, I think I told the story before, but like a couple years ago that, that last uh, Antonio Conte season right at the end where we got fourth, the very last game of the season, I was over in London, wanted to get up to Watford but hadn't gotten the time. Uh, so ended up trying to watch the game. And it, of course it wasn't televised because it only televised three games. So we ended up at Beavertown right across from the stadium, leaning my phone up against some, some beer glasses with people crowded around <laughs> watching on like, you know, a six inch screen. So yeah, I feel so bad ridiculous. For those, those dudes. Yeah. They have whole shows where they literally just have like an announcer at a desk with the screen, uh, like with the scores like running style. behind them. And then they're just like commenting on what's happening in all the games. I'm like, this is awful. Like, this is some like real like 1945 type stuff over here, man. Like, I got to get it together. Um, but I also realized that Americans probably just watch way more TV than everybody else. So that probably has something to do. I don't do. even it's think true. it's that. Like, the reason a lot of that stuff isn't on TV is because they want people to go to the games. Yeah, it's the same as they do blackout in the NFL here, except they do it countrywide there for whatever reason. Smaller country, man. Yeah, I guess, yeah, people just drive to the opposite end of the country, and it's like going from Cincinnati to Chicago. I mean, I think the other thing with them is they haven't had super convincing wins. Their their most convincing win, ironically, was, was their return to the Champions League, uh, oh, where they well, yeah, basically played PSV off the pitch. Probably not the same level as some of the teams that they're playing in the Premier League, but... I'm not sure exactly where that misplaced confidence is coming from because they've had very unconvincing performances despite the results up to this point. And so I think they're probably left coming out of that game with more questions than we are. Even thinking about the striker question, there's a number of teams with striker questions right now. Chief among them, Man United and Chelsea, both of whom don't, you know, so... Any any striker that they go for, they're going to have big competition from two teams that also like to spend a lot of money. So 
you know, th that's something that they'll need to figure out. Again, they're no longer our problem. It won't be again until April. So that's nice to know. Uh, but we get the point and we move on. And so I, I think any Spurs fan has to be pretty happy with that result. So yeah. I, I, this, this is a tangent probably for another day, but I just have to throw it out there because of what you just said with their um, with them going against Eindhoven. What some of the, the 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 group stage teams in the in the Champions League in particular, do you think that they're like in the Premier League now, bottom half tables, just because of how strong the Premier League is? Like, how would uh, Sheffield do against Eindhoven? And like I said, I know this is a whole can of worms, but because of the strength of the Premier League now, like lower half Premier League teams might potentially be better than some of the weaker group stage Champions League teams. I mean, uh, five thirty eight and others have their those things that try to to rank um teams uh across SPI the world um so that might be the the best uh the best one real quick you said sheffield yeah sheffield might be a, let's bring brentford <laughs> it'll make my point look better brentford is a, a 20th in the world they say 77.1 yeah, that's crazy and psv uh is 35th at 73.5 so not a not a crazy comparison by any stretch. Um, yeah, I mean they they have eight English teams in the top twenty, um, and uh, like so the whole right. top half of the table is top twenty in the world almost. Pretty uh, pretty up there, yeah. That's crazy. I just out of sheer curiosity just looked at PSV Eindhoven's uh, season in the Dutch league. They're five and zero. Oh, their goal differential is a plus sixteen. They've scored seventeen and only giving up one goal so they're pretty much dominating their, their competition in their would league. you like and to know the funniest part about got absolutely trounced um in the champions league so that that just goes to show you 538 uh of those eight english teams in the top um 20 uh not one of them is tottenham um neither is team number nine at 36 they've got spurs in between fc cone and rangers at forty third best team in the the country, oh, so so Brentford. Oh wait, this us. is updated from June thirteenth. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> the page they stopped updating these June thirteenth. They used to update it every week, but now it says this page is frozen of June thirteenth. It will no longer be updated. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, I was about to say. All right, I guess point. I guess all the media guess, doesn't love us. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I will say: Arsenal was missing. Um, both Martinelli and Trossard. And I think that for them is a big miss. I feel like they offer a lot more than and Partey, uh, Jesus would have did. Yeah, I, I always forget about him. <laughs> um, But yeah, I feel like that they, you know, at least attacking wise, they would have offered more on the other side. I feel like with Enketia and, and Gabriel Jesus, they both kind of like, Jesus has the ability to play on the wing, but I feel like he's better in the central position. And Ketia is pretty much a central striker. Not that not that great at it, but that's the position that he's most likely going to play. So they move Jesus outside to be able to fit him into the team. Um, and I feel like if they have Trossard, if they have Martinelli, um, Pedro Poor has more work to do on that side. I, I feel like he acquitted himself really well in the stuff that he had to defend, but I feel like, you know... Um, that's something that they they will point to as why things went wrong for them. And um, we can also point to our midfield getting stronger and things like that too. So I feel like we both have things that we could point to to where we can improve. 
Um, so it'll be interesting. I think, to see I where think we, you're being a little kind. Up. I don't think they really have a lot of excuses, especially considering the fact that both of our teams had the same record. They were at home. They're definitely coming into the season with higher expectations and hopes than we are. And they're supposed to be further along in their process than we are. And according to their fans, they were supposed to play us off the pitch and they didn't do oh, any no. of this. You're, you're right. <laughs> so you're right. I'm just giving some facts. I'm just giving some facts, but you're right. They, they should have beat us and they didn't. Well, they think they should have beat us and they didn't. I know yeah. Jesse has to run. So before he does, I just need to quickly get your pick for the Liverpool match before we roll into our preview. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, as I said on Twitter, um, three of the four. I won't mention which um, prognosticator was wrong on the Arsenal match. Kind of then, but um, uh, <laughs> three of the four of us nailed that one. Only, I think, the groups collectively uh, second, third, and fourth win of the year. So um, I am talking a big game. But here tomorrow's news today. You want to find out. Uh, make yourself uh, some money. Spurs 2, Liverpool 1. Uh, I think since I've been a pool fan or since I've been a, a, a Spurs fan, we've beaten pool like twice, maybe three times yeah, it's, in, it's in been 20 rough. plus opportunities. So it's been a very difficult opportunity, but uh, I'm going to say Spurs to uh, Liverpool one and uh, everybody have a good day. Course, 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 course. Thanks for that, Jesse. And in, yeah. in, in one of our group chats, Kim and I are in a group chat with a bunch of friends who are, fans of a bunch of different teams throughout the league and one of the running jokes about Liverpool is that they always find a way um so it's you know it's just one of those things that's just been abbreviated to FAW at this point where it's just like <laughs> Liverpool can can play like crap for 80 minutes and somehow in the last 10 they'll just like nick a win um and then we even saw it against us with that stupid Lucas Moura giveaway last season so it's very tough to predict, uh, even just looking at how they've been playing. Um, I don't know what to expect from Liverpool every time I watch them. I think they've managed to be a little bit more consistent as of late. Um, right now, going into this game, they're five wins and one draw on the season, plus 10 goal differential. They've only given up five goals over six matches. So their defense is holding up pretty well. And their one draw of the season was the first game of the year against Chelsea, another team that's struggling for goals. And, and they have not drawn or lost a game since. So they're really kind of starting to figure out who they are. Um, they had a big win midweek in the Europa League, which is, for my money, a competition that they should probably be favorites to win. Um, they've got a midweek game against Leicester in the Carabao Cup and then Tottenham versus Liverpool on Saturday at 1230 Eastern, which would be 1130 your time. So you, you're not going to have to wake up that early this week, Ben. I don't know how much Liverpool you've seen this year, Kim, but what is it that you'll be keeping an eye out for as we head into this match? Uh, the ability for our defense to deal with whoever they line up up front. Is it going to be Gapo? Is it going to be Nunez? Is it going to be Salah? Is it going to be Jota? Whoever they decide to line up, how does our back four deal with that? I think that's really, like, to me, the big thing. And can our midfield do what it's been doing and, you know, take a hold of the game? If we can do that, then I feel like 
we could prove ourselves to be good enough because I I still think like they are from what I've seen you can get at them defensively the thing is Allison has been really good um so if you find ways to get behind them making those chances count and like I feel like a guy like Sonny can do that um his finishes against Arsenal were top drawer like really really good he barely yeah. needed any time on the ball to make those happen if he's finishing like that then I think we can score a couple goals but he has to put them away from Allison as much as possible because that guy's just good so yeah to me that's the that's the game right there from what I've seen of of Liverpool and frankly it really hasn't been that much I've sort of seen like some highlights here and there um but they seem to be able to score you know defensively they've been pretty good but I, from what I've seen most of it has been due to just how good Allison has been. All right. Prediction. I am going to, because we're at home, we haven't beat Liverpool since 2017. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm also going to go 2 1. Yeah. I want to say, I thought I was going to say 3 2, but I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to score three goals against this defense. Yeah. I don't know about that. So I'll, go, I'll go 2 I'll go two, 1. I, I feel like, after this last match against Arsenal, I should be pretty optimistic going into this game at home. Um, I still, I don't know. It's that it's that way that Liverpool always just manages to find a way that just still makes me very nervous. And yeah, I, I'm I still get nightmares, flashbacks about. Stevie Bergvine threw on goal, hitting the hitting the post, and Lucas Moore giving the ball away, and just it just it, I don't know. It just feels like one of those games, one of those fixtures where we get a decent amount of chances, but don't always necessarily finish all of them. I don't know that that's how this game will play out, but I do think that they have a powerful enough offense to be able to to get some goals on their end as well. So I have no idea how this game is going to play out, but I, I do like that we're at home. I'm going to say, I'm going to say another two, two draw. I'm going to keep it conservative. The two, two draw has, has worked for me thus far. The last two times I said two, two was Brentford and Arsenal. And I got those both right. So I'm, I'm going to ride my luck with the two, two. Yeah, I've gotten some, uh, some grief for my wish casting and uh, over optimistic picks here. But, you know, to dare is to do. uh, I'm going 3-2 Spurs. There we go. Yeah, I almost actually changed my pick last week to that. Just because towards the middle to end of last week, I was like, I'm not going to hold Arsenal to one goal, but we're still going to win. So I almost texted to to change my pick, but I'll just do it this week. Almost went 3-1, actually, just out of uh, an abundance of positivity, but... Well, ironically, Liverpool have have won their last three matches three one. So that would be a, a nice a nice twist to their fixture list if they were to lose one three one. Yeah. Uh, but you but you see us getting three goals in against uh, Allison and and that Liverpool defense though. Again, C might not be the right word in my mind's eye. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I could see a scenario of that happening. I agree though with Ken. Allison is is uh both him and Ederson are just they're a couple of really solid goalkeepers, good shot stoppers, good playing with their feet. They're just huge. They seem to cover up the whole frame, right? The whole goal. So but 
you saw those two sun goals, like Kim was saying earlier, those were both just, they were top notch goals. They yeah. put them right in the corner. There was nothing Ray could do about either of those. Um, and I think that if he gets those opportunities against Allison, it'll look similar. Obviously caveat here, if there was to be a, um, you know, if James Madison has picked up a little bit of an injury and is missing, I would, I would probably have to try to change my prediction, even though it's probably not in our, our rule guidelines here, but um, I think it's like VAR. We change the rules every week. Kind of makes it happen. So, well, this is another big one. Um, so after you know we we get this Liverpool match out of the way, then I you know our fixture list is gonna look really weird, especially stateside because we've got a bunch of games that are either super early or in the middle of the week. And so looking after Liverpool, Monday. we've got uh, Saturday at seven thirty versus Luton. Monday versus Fulham, Friday versus Crystal Palace, another Monday versus Chelsea, and then another 7.30 a.m. game against Wolves. So we're really not going to get a normal 10 a.m. kickoff during the weekend until the end of November. So weird fixtures coming up um, for the next month and a half, but we get a result against Liverpool on Saturday, then it's going to be up to Spurs and in you know, Luton Town, it's... I, I haven't even thought about them yet, so got to get through this Liverpool game first. Hopefully Ben's prediction is right. If we can bag three, it'd be even better. Come Good. on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.